And welcome to the Amateur Podcast. My name is Ryan O'Connor, and today I'm talking to Joshua Presley. He is a human movement optimization specialist, and today he's going to teach us how we can get and stay in shape. So, uh, Joshua, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's exciting. I'm excited too. Um, so, first of all, a first question is how did you learn to train and how did you learn to help others um, train and stay healthy and fit? Yes. So looking back on it now, um, other than playing sports like hockey and rugby growing up, I truly didn't know much about exercise and all the science behind it until I came back from traveling in Bali and Australia. I got into a sport called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And if, if anyone's ever done it before, you really understand that you have to pick up not only the control of your own body, but uh, another person's, uh, I guess, force input into your movements. So once I came back, I started working at uh, one of the big corporate gyms in Toronto, Good Life. I fell down a rabbit hole of human movement and different types of methods of improving my body. And I guess I just started to look at different ways of educating myself and understanding how my body feels in exercise and then what it should feel like when it's healthy and what it feels like when it's not healthy and what pathway I'm going down to cause injury. From there, I fell into reading different books about the history of human movement and what pathway we're going down now and kind of some trends that have gone through the last couple of decades. When it comes to learning about how, how other people train, I think I focus more on looking at bigger people in the industry. Some of the people I really focus on is this guy, Andrea Ospina. He's out of Toronto. He's a Cairo, but developed a whole system on understanding joint movement and range control, what your body should feel like pain-free, and if you do have sticking points in your body, how to fix them. Uh, other than that, just going through, you know, the sports that I do now, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has really helped me understanding, you know, different limitations of my body, how other bodies are moving when they're healthy, when they're not healthy. And then that gives me a pathway to really focus on uh, working with the people that I have as my clients, try and prove them to feel pain-free, and then with myself as well. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you don't think of yourself as a trainer, you think of yourself more as a mm -hmm. movement. So I'm curious, what's the difference between and and movement yeah I guess what I try and focus on with a lot of my clients especially initially when they come to see me is a lot of people are typically looking for a personal trainer to help them get motivated and keep accountable to exercise so when they go to the gym they're looking at you know like a lat pull down machine chin-ups squats deadlifts and all these like pretty traditional uh, exercises and even when you're starting out as a personal trainer you really focus on these things called primal movements where they talk about the hinge pattern the push pattern the pull pattern or squat pattern the lunge pattern and those are all great if your body's moving well what I find that the difference between what I focus on and what a lot of the other personal trainers work on is I try and get people to understand what their body feels like when it's moving well and what it feels like when it's not moving well. So we focus more on joint specific exercises to start with and the intention behind the movement. So if we are doing something like a seated row or a lap pull down, it's not just going through the reps and getting the exercise done, but understanding how your body should move through that exercise with what intention. So it's more focusing on um, 
the person's body specifically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the beautiful thing about the human body is everybody's different and your body can be different a year from now or a year previous and it is right now. And so what I try and teach people is to do more uh, practice on listening to their body when they're exercising because your body is communicating to you. For me, pain, tightness, soreness, stiffness, achiness, uh, even lack of feeling at all is a communication that your body's sending to you. You just have to start to understand what that message is. And then, then you can adapt your training style towards what that, what that's saying. When it goes to uh, advising people on how to focus on, you know, where to feel, what to feel, what exercises to do, what it should feel like, we just have to start looking at a uh, previous history to their body. So if someone has had a lot of trauma in their knee, a couple of knee surgeries or had a lot of trouble in their shoulder, or, you know, rotator cuff issues or have, you know, issues from running, chronic running issues, then we can start to look at what that has potentially done to impact the body. There's a, there's definitely some exercises you can do that take your joints through the proper ranges they should go through without pain. You can move those without loading them. You can see how that joint moves, that shoulder moves, that wrist moves, that hips moves. Once you see that, then you can start implementing exercises to improve those ranges, get them to feeling more pain-free, uh, get that joint to move more like that joint should move as opposed to just doing the things you're telling it to do. So if you're looking to squat and you have a big problem with your forward falling, your chest falling forward, or you have really pain, like stiff pain in your lower back or, you know, a pinching in your front hip, the best thing to do would be to look at, you know, previous injuries or previous um, traumas you've had to that area. Then you start to adjust those joints that potentially are feeling that impingement or tightness. So it could be your ankle, could be your knee, could be your hip, could be your lower back. There's a whole bunch of different areas. Once you start looking at how those joints are moving separately, then we can start looking at having them move holistically or as a whole. Um, so how has training affected your own life? The what I've been doing recently has had a huge impact. Uh, when I was younger, I was one of those typical guys, played hockey, rugby, wanted to what they call like bro lift or lift heavy. Uh, I thought I had to go to the gym five times a week. I had to lift as heavy as I could, you know, show off to everyone else in the gym. And I didn't really get the results I ever wanted. I never had the like ideal body. I worked out a lot. I did all this cardio but no real long-term plan or understanding of why I was doing it. So I, you know, I'd get in and throw up, you know, 240 on the bench and be like, yeah, I'm strong, but I wouldn't really understand what that's doing to my shoulders or uh, getting on the treadmill and trying to run for an hour and a half because I felt like I was a little overweight and I wanted to play hockey better. So this might be the way to drop that extra 10 pounds, but not understanding the capacity of my body throughout the week. That may not have been the best idea, especially if my hips aren't moving like hips are, then how do I expect to run consistently for an hour and a half? So what that's done is through the years, the more I've educated myself on what my joints, my body should do and should feel like, it's changed my workload, changed my intensity, changed my style of training. So instead of going to the gym, doing all these heavy compound lifts, feeling great in the moment, but then having maybe a stiff back, a stiff hip, I wouldn't be able to play the sport I want to play because I'm a little sore just pulling everything back and starting to work on rebalancing my body, using dumbbells, using bands, using lighter weight to really try and feel what my body should be feeling in the exercise, what muscles are starting to work as opposed to just getting it done and feeling sweaty and hot and good. Uh, it's really changed everything. So my body feels a lot more, uh, I don't want to say functional because it's a trendy word, but it just feels more able to do 
body things as opposed to just lifting something because I told it to lift it. So you're telling me that trying to bench press as much as possible is the best approach to uh, fitness? It's fun. Sure, it's fun. Uh, Deadlifting 400 pounds is fun. It's cool to tell people. It's a cool story to show. But is it good for you long term? Maybe, maybe not. Everybody's different. And if you are somebody that wants to run 40 kilometers, wants to do a Ironman, deadlifting 400 pounds, probably not the best way to do that. But if you enjoy it, you also have to find things that you enjoy in life. So it's, everybody's a little different. What you do is more in touch with the body, right? So Mm -hmm. how does, what, first of all, what do we need to know about bodies in general and maybe our body in particular before we approach um, our improving our body? I feel like if you go down the rabbit hole of trying to learn about the body, you're going to get lost. It, you can talk to most people and it's almost impossible to know all the muscles in the body, all the soft tissue, all the ligaments, all the tendons, uh, how your bones work. So the best thing I always tell people is just start to focus on what their body is, is feeling. So instead of understanding how a shoulder goes into flexion, understand that if you put your arm overhead and it, it hurts, then you have to start looking at why does it hurt. You don't necessarily need to know every single muscle that's uh, creating that, that movement. Uh, the idea would be to feel where that pain is, try to work outside of that pain so it doesn't hurt, and then work on trying to improve that range so over time you can get to the thing that you want to do that's overhead. A lot of people, when it comes to overhead stuff, they want to do handstands, they want to do all these cool showy calisthenics, but there's a lot that comes into play with that. Like if you don't have good wrist extension, you're not going to be able to do a handstand because at the end of the day, your wrist acts as your foot and a foundation in that movement. So if you are looking at having a wrist mobility that's like this, but you want to do something that requires 90 degree angles, you're probably going to create some type of compensation pattern down the road and a potential injury unless you start addressing that that feeling and most people when they do something like a handstand they're going to feel compression in their wrist but then they'll just go oh that's just part of the movement when when really if you're feeling compression here it's typically bone on bone or a lack of movement in the joint so we have to focus on creating space and movement here before we look at the whole movement of a handstand it sounds like it's looking at um number one when when you're feeling pain and number two, how your joints move is very important, it sounds like, to, to understanding our, our own bodies and how they work and, and how we can improve them. Yeah, it's, it's a way that our body communicates to us. So joints are, are one of the best ways for our body to communicate back to our brain what's going on. If we're not listening to it, it's just like anything. If you have a partner and you don't listen to them, there's going to be more problems. But if you have open communication with your body and what it's saying, you're going to be able to do more things with less pain. It sounds like adjusting our expectations might might be a part of it as well. Yeah. I really want to do a handstand. I have to be a little bit realistic about whether or not that's what my body wants to do. Yeah. On that note, from what I understand as training and fitness, it's really about goals, right? I think you mentioned some of them before, right? Some people want to lose weight. Some people want to... Mm muscles some people want to get flexible so how is fitness and training is that based on our goals do we have to first understand what we want to do or what we want from our training yeah i would say so i mean if you don't really know 
where you want to be in your body in six months, a year, five years, it doesn't really matter the time frame. If you don't know where you want to go, it's hard to create a short-term plan. You can go and do stuff for sure. Um, it's better than not doing anything. That's always better than sitting on the couch doing nothing. Like getting up and doing something is better. If you go out and do a two kilometer walk every day, that's better than not doing anything. But if you do have goals and you can figure out what those are, it's going to create more of a visualization and motivation for you to consistently get to where those are. Whereas if you're just going to the gym because you want to feel better, it's hard to do that on days where there's 25 centimeters of snow out or, you know, you're feeling a little achy, you're feeling a little tired, but if you want to feel better because you want to look good in your, you know, whatever it is, if you're in, if you have a wedding coming up and you want to feel and look good and feel confident, then that's going to be something you can visualize a lot more. And it's going to help you on days when it's a lot harder to get out and do stuff. So what sort of goals do you recommend people establish? Do you, do you recommend people establish weight goals or is it visual goals? It depends on the person. Everyone's going to see a goal differently. I can tell someone to focus on a visual goal, but if they're not a visual person, it doesn't stimulate their, their excitement. There's no point in them following through with that goal because it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, but then again, when I talk about uh, when people want to lose weight, I try to stay away from a number on a scale because it doesn't really define what the progress is. Because you could be gaining weight on the scale, but your body could look completely different because you're putting on muscle. So it's not necessarily the best goal, but if that's what's going to motivate you, if you felt your best at 120 and you're, you know, 145 now, and that's where your emotional attachment to is, then that's a goal that you should have because that's what's going to trigger you on days that you don't feel like you can do it. Once we've established our goals, that then we can sort of determine what kind of training we do, right? Mm -hmm. so what are the different kinds of training that one can do? I always recommend people work on some type of passive active range exercise routine in their week. It doesn't have to be every day, but that is one thing that people should do, whether it be a, a flow movement through yoga, where they're intentionally moving their body and feeling what the feedback is. Um, there's a whole system through uh, it's called functional range conditioning that Andrea Ospina has created that I follow. It's all about moving your joints daily and just assessing where they, where they are, how they feel in space. Then you can cater each day's workout to that. Um, but when it comes to overall exercise training, you know, things you can do, you can do high intensity interval training. I wouldn't say that you base all of your cardio off of that because it doesn't really hit all of your energy systems. So you can do that plus a little bit of weight training, plus a little bit of steady state cardio, and you have a pretty balanced workout routine. But there's so much out there you can do. Like if you're passionate about walking long distances and you want to develop a, a skill in hiking 30, 40 kilometers, then that's what you're going to focus on because that's the thing you want to do. Yes, you have to work on some accessory stuff, but that's your priority. If you want to run 40 kilometers, you're going to have to train your body to run that way. So that's going to be more of your training load, but you still need to work on the additional parts. Where are you feeling sore? Where are you feeling achy? If you're having a running pattern issues, how do you develop that? So you'd have to implement that into your training. Do you want to cover like the different kinds of uh, training that people do for like weight, losing weight, muscle, yeah. all that a little bit more? Yeah. 
A hundred percent. So when we're talking about specifics uh, in losing weight uh, per se, I would recommend following a balance of a steady state. So that's a little bit longer, low intensity cardio. So anywhere from, you know, 50 to 60 minutes, you can go longer if you want, but that's probably the best place to be when you're doing steady state cardio at that distance and that pace, you probably want to keep your heart rate around 110. Then when we move into an additional uh, exercise routine for losing weight, I wouldn't say just stay in the steady state cardio. You don't want to do that five days a week. If you want to do that twice a week, that'd be ideal. Then you add in, you know, two or three days of hypertrophy, which is more muscle growth. So it's a, a, you know, if you look at time under tension, it'd be 40 seconds under the load. If you want to look at reps, it's 12 to 15 reps. Then you may want to add one or two hit training sessions a week. It really depends on how much availability you have to input into your week for exercise without feeling burnt out and crashing. So you can keep it consistent over a long period. If we're, we're moving into building muscle, so if your goal is to get bigger, hypertrophy would be the number one thing to do that. And that would be time under tension, like I said. So it'd be like 12 to 15 reps, four to five sets. You want to keep it, if you're doing time under tension, so it's a lot less reps, but you're moving with load for longer, it's like 40 seconds. That's really going to give you the best results to build size. And then a lot of people like to work on endurance and stamina. A lot of, we have a lot of like cyclists, a lot of runners especially in Ottawa it's a beautiful area so you can get out a lot then you want to focus more on that steady state cardio you want to do interval training higher rep count if you're in the gym for some days when you're doing workouts you want to keep the rep crown like maybe 20 to 30 reps uh, if you're doing time under tension exercises then it'd be around 70 seconds time under tension and I guess the last thing that a lot of people look at is either chronic injuries or illness And for me, movement is the best medicine when it comes to chronic injury. Joint movement is the best way to address joint pain as long as it's pain-free. Because the joints, a lot of joints, especially cartilage, if you're looking at meniscus, it doesn't get a lot of blood flow. It doesn't get a lot of healing properties. So you have to move that joint more pain-free to allow that fluid to get in there and get out of there to clean it up and start the healing process. So if you do injure a joint, Lying down and doing nothing is the worst thing you can do. The next thing you can do is just try and move that joint as much as possible, pain-free, and you will start to see that you're healing better faster without any intervention through manual therapy or or, uh, corrective exercise. Uh, What about flexibility? Do you think uh, that's a good place to focus on too is being able to touch my toes or... I mean, being able to touch your toes is a good thing. You should be able to do that. If you can't do that, you probably got to look at something like your hamstrings or or what they call your posterior chain, the back line of your body. Um, For me, flexibility is one thing and mobility is another thing. Flexibility to me is something that's more yoga based. It's more passive. It allows you to sink into a range and then get there eventually where mobility is more actively working in ranges. So if you want to be able to touch your toes, you can lie down with your feet in front of you and slowly sink into the position and you'll get more flexibility immediately. But if you do that again the next day, you're back to the same position. So what I find people, if they want to do something like that, if they want to do the splits, if they want to do something fun and 
and flashy that people typically call flexibility, you want to start actively working your muscles in that deep stretch. So if we're going back to touching your toes from a seated position and you lean into that stretch and allow yourself to get a deep stretch for you know a minute or two minutes, before you finish that stretch, you want to actually activate the muscles that are being stretched a few times so it starts to re-register in your brain that that range is okay for your body to be in. When it comes to exercise, I really do like people to focus on intention and how their body's feeling as opposed to just trying to get the exercise done. Because I find that there's a huge difference in results and a huge difference in how you feel when you work through the intention and feeling behind the exercise as opposed to I need to get 10 reps. I need to get 20 reps. I need to do 40 seconds time under tension. It's like, okay, do two reps. How does your muscle feel doing those two reps? Oh, it feels okay. I could do more. Okay. So then do two more or, oh, it doesn't feel good. Like it hurts. Okay. Stop then. Like let's find another way to do that. That that's what I want people to start to focus on in the fitness and health industry is not just going to the gym and doing reps and lifting weight because that's what they think they have to do, but start to listen to your body and do the things that your body needs to feel better. So you can walk around feeling good and you're in, you know, everything that you have. So take us through one of your training sessions with a client. What are some of the things that you recommend your client do? What are some questions that you ask your client? Take us through a typical training session. So every client I have is completely different. It's very specific to what's going on in their body. If I like one of my clients is 95 years old, I I'm not going to get him to do some of the stuff. I get my mixed martial artist athlete to do like, it's just not feasible. So when I come in, the first thing I want to know is how are you feeling? Where do you feel stiff? What's going on with your body? And if they say, I feel stiff here, I ask them why. Like, where did it come from? When did it start? Why are you feeling that way? What's the intensity level of it? What exercises or movements cause that? From that, then everything is catered to that. Once that issue is addressed, then we can go back to the program that I've designed for them and the long-term goals that they have. But if they're dealing with a back pain that wasn't there before, it's hard to get them to work towards their goal that they want when most of the time their messaging system is telling them, my back hurts, my back hurts, my back hurts. So how can you get them to do an effective exercise on their shoulder when they're feeling chronic back pain? So that's where we'd have to work through, you know, some hip mobility, some maybe some fascial stretch therapy, so assisted stretching to get their back to feel better, more normalized, then we can get to the exercise and the plan that we had in place. Um, that being said, most of my clients know that they have to do uh, joint movements before we work out. And then they have to give me feedback on how their joints are feeling so that we can assess from there. Then it's really going to depend if they have tight hips, if they have chronic knee injuries, we're going to focus more on knee and hip issues, all the muscles connecting to those joints. Then we can work on some other things. I mean, obviously a lot of guys like to do bench press, like to do overhead press. So I try to incorporate all the fun exercises and with all the, the, the work exercises to, to get better long-term. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is there, but beyond goals, is there anything else that you find helpful as uh, motivation for people who might not want to, you know, look outside and see a twenty-five <laughs> or whatever, and might not want to get outside and exercise or go to the gym? Is there any other motivators that you find really helpful for people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you feel? Like, if you feel good, 
that's motivation enough for most people. It, if they've gone a long time feeling in chronic pain, feeling aches and pains, and they're starting to feel days where they don't have that, that alone could be motivation to continue to do what you're doing long-term. Because at the end of the day, if you don't feel pain daily, it's a nice feeling. And you only really recognize what that feels like when you've gone through you know, weeks or months with chronic pain or years. Like I've worked with people that have chronic pain for eight to 10 years and they start to get out of it and they're a different person. So, so that's an additional motivator that is, you can't even, I don't even know. It's, it's the most, like, it's huge. Yeah. Such a big impact. Yeah. That's great. And that, that must be uh, the, one of the joys of doing this, uh, this work that you do is uh, helping people feel good. How much time, should we invest in our bodies at each week? Uh, that's a good question. It, it's going to depend on the person. I would say one minute is better than no minutes. So if all you can invest is one minute, which it isn't the case for most people, it's still better than not doing it. So I would never say beat yourself up if you can't do five times a week. But when we look at it as a whole for the general population, if you can do some type of active exercise, whether it be walking, whether it be running, whether it be in the gym, whether it be just sitting down and stretching through yoga practice, through whatever joint mobility you want to do, I would try to aim for four to five times a week. That would be the most ideal situation. And that four to five times can be 30 minutes, can be an hour. You know, if you really want to go for a long run, it can be up to four hours, but you have to look at your overall workload for the week. And as long as you feel good at the end of the week, you don't feel like you're burning out. That's, that's good for you. And you want to keep that. If you start to feel fatigued, you start to get any aches, then maybe you want to pull back a little bit. Right. But once again, four to five times a week, if possible, it, it would be the best for your body. I mean, as humans, you know, for tens, hundreds of thousands of years, we walked 14, 15 kilometers a day. So, you know, if you go for a two kilometer walk, it's better than nothing. But if you compare to what our bodies used to, it's still very small. And how should we structure our workout? Whether let's say we do 45 minutes to an hour, do we want to include at least some cardio every time, at least some um, resistance training? At mm -hmm. least stretching? How, how should we structure each of our workouts? When I'm working with my clients, I typically tell them to spend the first 10 to 15 minutes warming up. And warming up to me isn't going and walking on a treadmill. Because if we're going to go back to the bench scenario, if you want to bench 300 pounds, and you go on a treadmill for 15 minutes and walk, that's not working any of the muscles or joints that you're about to push 300 pounds with. So that to me isn't a warm up. It, yes, it's getting your blood, uh, your blood moving, your heart rate's a little higher, but at the end of the day, we're using our shoulders, our chest, our back, our core, our hips to push that barbell. Walking is not necessarily going to be the best warm up for it. So if you're looking at, if you have an hour to work out, I would say 10 to 15 minutes, really focus on the area that you plan on exercising to warm that up. Sure. You can get on the treadmill and walk for five minutes, get your heart rate up a little bit or get on the bike. You can do anything you want, but I would spend majority of that warm up time trying to focus on the area that you're going to be exercising and getting it moving and feeling good. Then you can spend 40 minutes exercising, 50 minutes exercising, and then I'd give yourself five to 10 minutes at the end where you're bringing your heart rate down, you're removing your body in those new ranges after they've been challenged, stretching, relaxing, just taking deep breaths, allowing yourself to decompress, and then you're, you can go on with your day. And how, as we're working out, what, what can we do to make sure that we're not injuring ourselves? I guess 
warming up properly is one. Is there anything else we can do to make sure that we don't hurt ourselves as we're working out? Yeah. I mean, warming up is a key point. And in the warm ups, I, I try to get the people I work with to really listen to their body and telling them what's going on. But when you're in the exercise, once again, you should try to look at more intention in the exercise. So if you're doing a squat and, and you feel something's off and it's not usually the same, you should probably take a step back after the squat and see what's going on. Uh, some people like to foam roll. Some people like to use a lacrosse ball. Some people like to do banded work to try and change the angle of their hip. Um, I like to do joint movements to reassess what muscles are causing issues. There's a whole whack of tools you can use out there to reassess, but it always comes back to listening to your body. If you're not used to working out, if you do not feel like you have a great connection to your body, you can always ask other people, ask professionals, do research, but you should try to do whatever you're doing and feel how your body's feeling in that. It, it can start out being a little bit harder than usual because a lot of people go to the gym, they crush out their reps, they get through it, they listen to music, and they have a time limit, and they just go, 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 go. Whereas if you take a step back, you may not do as many reps, you may not do as many sets, but you're incorporating more muscle tissue, more intention, you're going to see better results long term. Hmm. And you'll probably be less injured because you're listening to your body. If you tune out, shut down, and just go through robotic movements all the time, you're going to get them done and you're going to feel like you're progressing, but you're probably going to hit a lot of roadblocks, a lot of plateaus, and you're not going to see the results that you want. Many of us, we do different things, right? We might go mm -hmm. a few times a week or we might play a sport like hockey or, or basketball or, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> um, how do these different things that we do for our bodies, how, how should we look at them as as complementing each other? Is, is there something to that? Like if I do hockey, should I focus on a certain area of my body or I, does that, that apply to any other sports activity or fitness activity? Yeah, it does. I mean, if you look at hockey, we'll use hockey as an example. If you look at hockey, typically a lot of the movement involved in hockey is through your hips and lower body right? Your ankles don't really move too much because they're locked in a boot. Your upper body does do some rotational work. Your shoulders do do stuff, but your hips, your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings are doing most of the work. So I would typically focus more on hip movement, uh, you know, muscles around that area, trying to develop stability in the movements there. But you also want to work on your whole body as a whole. You don't want to just completely neglect your upper body because you might start rolling over because you sit at a desk all day and then that's going to impact your, your skating and your stick handling and your awareness on the ice as well. Uh, yes, when you're doing a sport, when you're doing running, for example, when you're doing biking, uh, they may be more hip oriented but you still need to work on your core, your shoulders as accessories, maybe your primary movers. You want to focus a little bit more on mobility, allowing more active range in there so you can get better strength in the end of your stride, uh, allowed to absorb more, you know, bumping and hitting and turning and rotating. That'll be helpful to prevent injuries. But the, the sport that you do is going to define how you move for the most part, especially if you've been doing it a long time. And then that's what's going to define some of the mobility and movement stuff that you have to work on to, to deal with the compensation patterns that your body's developed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When I'm not playing hockey now, of course, because of mm -hmm. uh, the coronavirus issue, but when <laughs> I was, I was, I was feeling a lot of tension in my hips and my uh, hamstrings. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and so you, you would know, noticing that that's when you you're listening to your body because that's what it's telling you. So then that's when you would start doing, you know, if you have time to do research on, on hip mobility exercises, hamstring exercises, you would start doing research. If you don't really know if it's helping or not, then reach out to a professional in your area, a friend, and try and figure out how you can improve those more. But that's what we're talking about when we talk about uh, listening to your body and intention, because it's telling you stuff. Sometimes you want to listen to it. Sometimes you don't, but it's giving you feedback to work with. Yeah, for sure. So as we're focusing on improving our body, sometimes we encounter situations where we notice that things aren't improving as quickly or as noticeably as we'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, how, first of all, how do we track improvement in our bodies and how do we, inc- how do we deal with those situations where our bodies are not improving as, as quickly or as noticeably as we'd like? It really goes back to goal setting. So if you have a clear goal, that's going to at least give you a compass to work with and a direction to go by and seeing progression. Everybody's goals are going to be different. So the markers in which you use to define success for you are going to be different. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose 20 pounds and get to 120, that's a clear defined number goal. So then if you're not dropping weight and you're not looking in the mirror like you want to, then clearly you're not doing the right things for your body to help you get there. That's when I would do a little bit of research, uh, see what you can do on your own. If that's still not helping, then always reach out to a professional. I mean, that's, that's the best thing to do. People spend their lives trying to understand this stuff. It's not necessary for you to know everything that a professional does. You just need to know how to help your body get to those goals. Interesting. So I guess if we're not hitting our goals or we're not noticing improvement, it's mm-hmm. indication that what we're doing is not working. And that's when we, we maybe need to do worse research or reach out. Yeah. To yeah. And it's funny because you can talk to a professional about it and it could be such a small change and have such a big impact and you just missed it. And then you're going, I can't believe I did not think of that, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you're starting to get to your goals. So whatever tools you have outside of you physically doing something to help you get to your goals is going to be an asset. You can't just rely on if we're talking back to that losing weight uh, to 120, you can't just go and sit on a cardio machine for an hour or two hours and expect to lose weight if your diet's bad. Right. Like there's so many aspects to look at when it comes to losing weight. It's not just uh you know, cutting your calories a little bit, exercising way more, because if your stress is bad, if your body's not taking in nutrients properly, if you're just consistently doing the same exercise, your body's going to adapt and be more efficient. So you're not burning as many calories as you think. There's a whole whack of things that might be impacting you getting to your goal. So if you've tried a bunch of stuff, and then it's been a month or two months and you haven't seen any progress or you, you're pretty frustrated with where you're at, do some research. Once you, you do the research, you may not understand it. You may try it. You may get results. You may not. Then you go down the path of asking a professional. So is there a way that we can train more efficiently? Like if we have you know busy work schedules or whatnot and say we only have 30 minutes or even 20 minutes a day to exercise, is there a way that we can make that work and, and make our training less time consuming? Yeah, there's, I mean, the way I look at it, when you look at rep counting and sets and blasting through exercises, you need more time to get through it all. But if you do one exercise with more control 
and movement and changing of angles under tension, you're going to incorporate more muscle tissue, which creates more um, efficiency in that area. It causes you to burn more calories. You're going to be sweating more, even though you don't feel like you're doing as much volume and you're going to see better results. So what I tell people is if they can't get in an hour a day, which is understandable, sometimes everyone has different schedules. You have to really control the exercise you're doing. So if we go to the gym and we want to work on, we have knee pain, I feel like my hamstrings aren't working properly or they're really tight, then when you're doing a leg curl in the gym or at home, you'd want to focus on doing the leg curl a lot slower. And every time you do the rep, maybe change the angle of your foot. So the muscle tissue being used is always different so that you're constantly stimulating your body, you're gonna see a bigger growth in the muscle, you're gonna see better function in the muscle without spending an hour or two hours in the gym. But you you definitely recommend if we can take an hour every day to you have an hour every day, right? It, it's gonna be different. Like if, if you do three days a week of hypertrophy exercise, let's just say you go into the gym and you're, you're lifting, you can do, if you want to just run five kilometers, two kilometers, 10 kilometers on your alternating days, that's fine. Five kilometers can take anywhere from an hour to, you know, 15 minutes for somebody. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not getting good work in because they ran five kilometers in 15 minutes. Like that's extremely exhausting and I couldn't, I couldn't do it, but that's still five kilometers. So the end of the day, you want to spend as much time as you can taking care of your body and moving within reason and doing stuff that you like to do as much as possible. Uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you find people make when they're working on improving their bodies? If we're looking at someone that hasn't done it in a while, so maybe they were a good athlete when they were younger, but took 10 years off moving. I think the biggest thing that a lot of people um, do is they try and get back to exercising as intense and as hard as they did when they were at their best. So if you haven't exercised for a while or you don't exercise consistently, the best thing to do is slow down and slowly integrate exercise back into your life. So if you go from maybe once a week walking or haven't exercised in 10 years, it doesn't matter, then you try and do five days a week, an hour each day, you're probably going to burn out and injure yourself. Your body is not used to doing that kind of workload. So I would recommend looking over a five to six week period increasing to that load. And then if you're still not feeling great because you've put on too much, then reduce it even more. Like some people, it takes three months to build that workload up. Some people it takes a year. Some people can do it instantly. And so that comes back to also listening to your body. Yeah. Um, if we're looking at someone that constantly goes to the gym already, I think the biggest challenge, especially for men, is they try and just lift heavy and just go through the pain, fight the pain, push, push through. You got to lift that thing. You put it in your schedule. You have to do it. And I think that is the biggest detriment to people long-term when it comes to working out, because typically then they have elbow injuries, knee injuries, back injuries, neck injuries, uh, sore muscles, that all this stuff compounds because they're not listening to their body and pulling back when they're feeling achy. They're just trying to blast through it. Yeah. Those would be the biggest two things that I feel uh, a lot of people do that can hold them back or cause them to not be consistent long-term to get to their goals. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, maybe everyone gets to a point, it uh, gets to that point where, where we're like, oh, I can't lift as much as I used mm -hmm. to. Just uh, lift and lift and lift until I can get back to that, that weight I was lifting before or whatever. <laughs> 
you, you have to look at why, why do you want to lift that weight? Yeah. At the end of the day, why, why do you want to do that? Is it because you want to feel like you did then? Because there are a lot of ways to do that without trying to lift that weight that you did when you were 19, 20, 25, whatever it is. You, it comes back to goals and intention. So if you want to feel good because you want to run, play with your kids, walk your dog, go for hikes, climb a mountain, whatever it is, you have to look at how you can exercise to do that not how to exercise to do what you did before or because some guy in the gym is doing it, (laughs) right? Like some people look and go, oh my God, look at that. That's 500 pound deadlift. I want to do that. But if you really look at what they want to do, they want to run a a marathon. That does deadlifting that much weight will does not help. You have to put so much time into developing that. So then you're taking away from your true goal of running. You can't do everything, I guess, right? No, you can't. On a deadlift, five five hundred pounds. Maybe you can, but it would probably just take a lot of work. You'd have to do it in segments, right? Like, let's just say this year you want to focus on running your first marathon. So you would train for that. Then, okay, you accomplished it. You feel good. What's the next? School. Oh, I want to deadlift 500 pounds. I saw a guy do that last year. Then you can start to work towards that. I don't know if you can do that in a year, but you can start to work towards that new goal. And that's okay. You're right. Your goals can change year to year, six month to six month, but you have to have something clearly defined and you have to follow that process, not just jump from here to there to there. You'll never see consistent yeah. results. As you say, it's, it's, it comes back to the goals, right? And, and mm-hmm. what goals are. And I think, um, something you, you, you were getting at a little bit is understanding why you want to do this thing. Like if you want to deadlift 500 pounds, just cause you saw some <laughs> big guy do it in the gym and he looks, he looks cool. Um, maybe that's not the right reason to do that. So maybe yeah. thinking about what you want to accomplish and why you want to accomplish those things. And it may be the right reason. We don't know, but that's, everyone's going to be different, right? Some people get fired up to see that and want competition. And some people just think that would be nice. But then when they sit back, like that's, I don't want to do that at all. That's a lot of terrible work. Yeah. (laughs) Right. For me, it's, it's all the same. We just want to feel good in, you know, the body that we're in and we want to move as pain-free as possible. Like that's, I feel like, at the end of the day, what most people want. Yes, there are some more specific goals for people, but nobody wants to feel back pain. Nobody wants to feel hip pain. No one wants to feel like they can't walk five kilometers. Like that's just not a good feeling for anyone, regardless of who you are. So at the end of the day, we all have to try and work towards feeling the best we can in our body. And so the goals are going to depend on that. Your exercises are going to depend on that. And you just have to work with what you have and not worry about other people and what they're doing. Uh, that's a good way of thinking about it. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to just feeling good. In that sense, how important are other elements of general health, such as good nutrition, enough sleep, good mental health? How how does that all work together uh, with our workouts or our fitness? Uh, I think they're huge. If you if you don't have a good sleep, you're constantly stressed out, your eating patterns are bad because you're stressed out and you're not sleeping, well, you're not going to see great results in the gym. That's just, unless you're a genetic freak and there are people out there that can do whatever the heck they want, they're going to look good and be able to perform at a very high level. But, you know, 99% of us, all of that stuff impacts us. Supplements, how our gut's doing, how are we feeling emotionally, how well we're sleeping, you know, what the nutrients are that we're putting in our body to fuel us through that exercise is all very important. And uh, it's tough because if you're stressed out a lot, you're probably going to lean more towards crappier foods, higher fat, 
higher sugars. And once you have those, your body's going to crave them more and more. So it becomes a cycle of eating bad, sleeping bad, feeling bad, not feeling great when you exercise because you don't have the right fuel in your body. So we have to look at changing the diet a little bit, trying to get healthier foods in there, work on our sleeping patterns, our sleeping health. How do we get to bed properly? Are we looking at our, our phone right before bed? Are we looking at these crazy emails, stressful emails, having stressful conversations, or are we allowing ourselves to wind down at the end of the day, fall asleep, wake up when we want to wake up as opposed to being woken up by some screaming alarm. Uh, there's, there's all these factors and they all have a huge play into just how we feel in our body, how we move and, and how we look. Mm -hmm. So you, you strongly recommend then that people approach it from a holistic standpoint where you're making sure you, even if you're exercising an hour a day, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting good nutritious meals, then mm -hmm. going to have the effects you want. So we, we have to approach it from like a, an all around health uh, perspective. Yeah. And, and that's what we should be doing uh, to begin with. Even if you hate exercise, you should still look at eating healthy and, and your sleeping patterns, right? Like that stuff's going to impact how you deal with stress on a daily basis, how you interact with your partner or your family or your friends. Like that's, that's going to show you or allow you the capacity to deal with external stressors more. If you start exercising, at least your body has the right fuel to do it. Um, there's, yeah, I, I agree. It doesn't matter who you are. You should be looking at the, your whole body and how you feel. That being said, you don't have to be strict and rigid on everything. We are humans. We're allowed to enjoy some of the food we eat. We're allowed to, you know, not exercise for a couple of days. We're allowed to have a bad sleep once in a while. Like that's not, the point isn't to beat yourself up if you have a pizza one day or don't exercise for a week or have a couple of days of bad sleep because you're stressed out. It's just working on how to rebound instead of allowing yourself to spiral down this pattern where that becomes months and months of, of, of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So last question is, uh, do you, are there any resources that you recommend people checking out if they're interested in learning more? I'll, I'll definitely, uh, definitely uh, listeners should check out your website, which is mm -hmm. Presley MVMT. MVMNT. So movement, I just took out the vowels. Presley MVMNT. Mobility. Yeah.com. Yeah, I'll put that in the, in the show notes as well. Perfect. And uh, your Instagram is. So it's the same as my website. So it's at Presley MVMNT mobility. Great. So yeah, listeners who are interested in learning more can check out your website and your Inst Instagram, uh, your Instagram profile where you post uh, videos and and other great great things about um, about training and fitness. Any other resources you recommend listeners check out? Yeah, absolutely. It really depends on how people feel like they acquire knowledge the best. When it comes to reading, um, there's a book called The Story of the Human Body, another one called Th Third Chimpanzee and, and Sapiens. Um, the Story of the Human Body, this one here, I'm, I'm not paid to advertise, but this book is absolutely incredible. Uh, if you want to understand where we came from as humans it, and how our bodies were designed to move, this is an incredible book. Some people may find it really boring because it's more history and evolution based but I couldn't put it down. Um, th those three books are, are incredible if you are a reader. If it comes to more visuals or courses, 
Uh, some of the things that, that I've looked into are, are the Ready State. It's Kelly Starrett. It used to be called MWAD or Mobility WAD. Uh, Functional Range Conditioning by Andrea Spina, who's in Toronto. He's got a whole system. They have uh, an Instagram page. They have courses you can take. Anybody can take them, even if you aren't a personal trainer. It'll teach you how to move your body better and understand what's going on. Uh, Functional Patterns is another one. He talks more about movement-based core exercises. So it's all fascial sling. So it's entire movement as opposed to isolation movements those would be courses that i would recommend if people are interested and then the podcast control yourself uh, by andre ospina he talks about everything under the sun when it comes to fitness so it's not just how your joint moves he talks with bodybuilders he talks with martial artists he talks with all sorts of different people from like west side barbell to just uh, you know consciousness it's very fascinating stuff so i would recommend that and you would start to pick up things about exercise and and what your body's telling you. That's great. Thanks so much. Uh, And thank you so much for talking to me today. That was uh, so informative. Yeah. Thank you so much. I never thought about it like that before. Our bodies communicating with us through pain, tension, and tightness. I guess it's just up to us to listen. Thanks again to Joshua Presley for sharing his wisdom with us today. His website is presleymvmntmobility.com. Same as his Instagram handle. Those will both be in the show notes in case you don't like writing. You can follow us on Instagram at amateurpod. The website is amateurpod.com. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. Until next time, remember your own body is a teacher. In fact, you might say there's a teacher in everybody you meet.